0: You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Hello. David Hall. Hello. Greg Hectus. Hello. And special guest, Evan Pasoco.
1: Thanks for having me again
0: hey thanks for coming uh so yeah we had a great coke race uh this week so let's kind of uh jump right into it uh now before uh the race uh we actually had uh a pretty cool video put up by uh, robin roskenving from scandinavia i think we've talked about his work before on the podcast but man he put up like a I don't know what you call it, a fan video of the NASCAR Coke series uh, as far as their uh, trip to Richmond. Uh, Did you guys get a chance to look at that with the Metallica song and all that? Pretty awesome video.
1: It it was cool. And I think that, uh, of course, because it's not an official iRacing project, you can kind of use whatever song you want on it, which was super fun uh, because you don't have to be restricted by uh, you know official copyright stuff and whatnot. And uh, it reminded me... Uh, of what we used to do in the series about two years ago, I think, when we would do the... uh the race rewind videos, and it was uh, you know not like clips from a bar- broadcast, like a standard video package. It was like in-sim clips with with driver audio and in our booth audio, and uh, I, I do miss those, and I've been bugging the folks at the office, hey, we gotta get those those recap videos back, but obviously, uh, with the way that everybody's so busy, uh, probably won't be happening anytime soon, but I uh, love seeing the community getting involved, and uh, I think even uh, the iRacing folks saw the video and said it was real cool.
0: Yeah, he's got super slow-mo on the pit stops and some of the wrecks and stuff. It's uh, very visually appealing. Uh, some, some big wrecks and pileups, you know, like the big one at Richmond. Uh, be nice to showcase the damage model, but really good work, Robin, on the video. I was impressed. Uh, the other thing that came out before the race, uh, Evan, and you actually talked to the track president from Dover, is he decided to go ahead and uh, give the winner uh of the coke race a little monster miles so to speak uh trophy
1: yeah and i think it's uh i'm not sure of the exact scale but it is a, a mini replica uh you know it's real cool uh we saw the folks at richmond get really involved on the social media side but it was kind of like the virtual race weekend there uh and the folks over in dover did the same thing and i you know trying to rack my brain here i'm not sure uh, that a track has given out a trophy before for a win uh, in the Coke series. So that's uh, a first, I believe. And uh, we were talking, uh, as you mentioned, with the track president, and I don't think uh, there's many trophies cooler uh, in NASCAR than the, the Miles the Monster trophy that they have at Bristol. So uh, a big thanks uh, to Mike Tatoyan and the team over at Dover for being so involved. And uh, I know Nick's going to enjoy that.
0: Oh yeah, and uh, so man, hope the other tracks follow suit is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah,
1: Martinsville needs to do a, uh, a,
2: miniature, a clock. miniature grandfather clock. Isn't or a full-scale
1: one, why not? Just give him the whole thing.
3: Isn't it a watch? Isn't it a miniature one called the watch? <laughs> 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 that models is yeah. model. The car he's holding it looks like it's like a 164 scale car, so... I, I hope believe, they do Nick's car.
1: That would be cool. I'm still waiting with, with Lionel doing the the pro invitational cars. I'm still waiting for us to get one Coke series car. And and listen, that's I don't think it's something that at this point is sustainable on like a race-by-race race basis. Um, so it might be like maybe they could sell the champion. Um, or even, you know, if it's the organization itself, like if Gio Motorsports, I'm sure they'd have some pull. Maybe they could uh, convince Lionel. I'm, I'm still waiting for the day.
3: Well, you'd think that the one car they might do would be the actual Coke car that is sponsored out there.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. All right, let's jump into the race. Uh, so right off the bat, I noticed only 37 starters. Uh, do you know the story there?
1: Yeah, so a couple of drivers parked for that one due to going over the uh, the series incident limit uh, in Richmond. So uh, there was uh, it was a bit of a messy race, and that's why we had a smaller field.
0: Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Uh, but there was one quick caution early uh, for uh, Shearburn. Uh, for a spin at the beginning, uh, and then it was a long run after that. Up front, Lusa, Ottinger, Lowe, Conte, uh, Bussey, Duvall, Crowder, and Smith. Uh, The green flag stops uh, started about lap 66, uh, and Lowe finally gets by uh, Ottinger, uh, and the leader's pit the lap 70 was Leader Zielinski uh, when he missed his pit road entrance.
1: It was uh, it was an ugly night for Bobby, to say the least. Uh, came in as the points leader and finished uh, this one back in 32nd, and that is in part because he missed the pit lane, uh, but also they just really did not have it. And, uh, you know, I guess it goes to speak how well he's been because he finished 32nd and he only fell uh, to 2nd in the points. Uh, but he wasn't the only guy that struggled. We saw, you know, later in the race, like, Novak ended up in the barrel. So the, the best of the best in the series uh, couldn't figure out the pit lane. I think it's uh, easily top three most difficult on the schedule. Juan Alfala had
3: a no long run setup at all. He was good early and then just fell back. Yeah, he, he needed water wings. Off.
1: He led uh, seven laps, first nine laps, one, seven or nine laps at the very start. And uh, yeah, he dropped like a rock and was back in the 20s.
0: All right. Um, and, and so uh, Tian was the last uh, to pit on lap 74 on that green flag exchange of stops. And then three laps later on 77, Luza barely touches the wall, and Audiger, uh, they fight for the lead. Uh, it takes it on to uh, lap 80. Uh, Audiger, Luza, Lowe, Busa, Smith, Duval, Conti, and Davies up front. Uh, Luza was starting to fade a bit after that hit on the wall.
1: Yeah, and, and he actually ends up better than some of the other drivers who got into the ball. Of course, uh, you know we'll talk what happened uh, with Garrett a bit later on in the race. But, I mean, he hits it and he drops way back. But, you know, you got basically 400 corner exits uh, in that race, and he just missed one. One corner exit, gets the wall, and uh, I, I don't think that he was going to stroll to the win. I think that Ottinger and, uh, you know, those other guys would have been able to challenge him either way. Uh, but he was in a really, really good spot to make some history, and it's uh, a self-inflicted error uh, that doesn't ruin his race. He still gets good points. He actually leaves as our points leader for the first time this year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, not something that he wanted. And I, there was I don't know what the issue was with the car. I haven't had a chance uh, to talk with him since he wasn't one of our top three. Uh, so I didn't get uh, the reaction from him. But, of course, uh, you know, a tough break uh, overall.
0: Okay. And then it appeared uh, technical issues, I'm assuming, Uh, feed froze on my end a couple of minutes, uh, and we came back to a blimp view with no audio, and then we heard your beautiful voice again, Evan. What happened there?
1: I think uh, there was some sort of an issue with, uh, so basically because it's being streamed so many different places, uh, that somehow iRacing, uh, what I heard, because they drug us down to the production trailer and said, hey, we're... know, it dropped and we'll be back in a sec as somehow they got booted out and they weren't able to reconnect to whatever the software is that you're, that they're using to stream to multiple places. Uh, so they had to basically kind of refresh everything and, and reload it. And, uh, you gotta love technology, right? But, uh, good thing was, it was a long green flag run. So we didn't miss much and, uh, it got up nice and quick.
0: Yeah, it wasn't long and, uh, it almost felt like a commercial break or something, but yeah, we didn't miss, miss much, uh, Next up, Leahy appears to be quick, but had issues in qualifying. Uh, he got up to ninth there with about 84 to go uh, from the back. But uh, Blake Reynolds uh, starts green flag, stops again with a 80 to go. Uh, the leader's pit with 75 to go. But uh, Lowe, he actually stretches the pit with 67 to go. And then loser with 66 to go.
1: And I'm typically a fan of the undercut. Uh, you know, you you go to, to pit earlier and get the fresher tires sooner. Uh, but uh, I think uh, certainly obviously loser responding to to Garrett coming down to the pit lane. Uh, but I thought that that one lap difference for Garrett would have been the uh you know the decision to maker uh in, in comparison to loser who he kind of ended up fighting with as Ryan would go on to finish fourth. But uh, you know, Garrett was obviously eyeing in the race lead. And after that uh cycle of pit stops, he was in a real good spot.
0: Yeah. And during this section, we saw Eric Smith with a major, major save after uh, he would, looked like he got tagged a little bit or maybe got the wall. But man, side, he was back and forth, back and forth. And the, the car didn't come around.
1: We had a couple of close calls there, all kind of back to back in like a five or 10 lap window uh, where we probably should have wrecked the cars. And and these guys did a real good job of hanging on to it. And uh, shout out to, to Eric and uh, the Jim Beaver guys in that... Uh, big green egg car because they've had a a bit of a rough year so far so i think uh, eric was super stoked to to have a top 10 car and to run like up there all night it's it's not like he kind of you know locked into it or strategied his way into it i think that that car had legitimate speed and uh, i know that the whole team's going to be looking to carry that forward uh just got to see if they can translate that over uh, to michael now
3: i was uh i was pretty impressed by him actually watching that run all night like he was he was being, you were pointing him out every once in a while, too. And it, you know, it's hard to, it's not hard to miss those cars. It was very flashy, but I was just, it seems like I don't normally hear his name. And it was nice to see someone else up there race some of those guys. Yeah,
0: good run for him. Then we saw uh, Zach Novak get into the yellow barrels, uh, getting on the pit road for his stop. And Greg, you told me this last night before the NIS race. You, you got to slow down getting into three. Uh, on a green flag stop and he was just trying to cook it in there and and the back end stepped out right as he would got to the barrels and just slapped them with the the rear quarter panel
3: i don't know if i remember i can't remember the last time that they raced at dover but i most guys we used to enter coming into turn three and stay on the bottom if you could it was just safer to do that but those guys, you know, obviously being the best, they're they're taking it as far as they possibly can go. And a loss. obviously, pit road is one of the trickiest things to deal with. Last night, or the yeah, other night,
1: they, they were not going down to the apron in three. I mean, they were basically taking away the race line halfway through the corner, and that's where Zach gets into that issue. Is you know, you're kind of trying to get hard onto the brakes while straddling that transition from the banking to the flat of the racetrack, and it's going to get you know kind of out of control enough if you stayed flat all the way. Uh, so to make that transition, it was tough for him. And and it, I mean, it just got a little bit sideways. I think we took the onboard with him. And there was just no saving it at that point. And, you know, it wasn't just the big errors like Zelensky missing it or or Novak ending up in the tires. It was, you know, a lot of drivers locking them up. Uh, I'd say 75% of the pit stops were guys locking up the tires, getting down to 35, which, you know, might as well be a a crawling pace at Dover. Um, And that's part of it, you know, the the challenging pit lane, Uh, especially in a race like this, which I wanted to point out, we only had two yellows, which is a uh, all-time low, uh, for the Coke Series race at Dover. When you see that good green flag racing, those are the kind of things that make a difference.
0: Yep, and one of those cautions came with 58 to go. Alex McCollum and Gorlinski and Mullis. It was a three-wide deal. Uh, one car was on super old tires. I think it was Gorlinski, and they were just trying to get around them as they were side by side, and it just d- didn't fit right. Uh, but they all pit after that ca- on that caution. Uh, Dylan though took only two tires.
1: Trying to roll the dice a little bit, and we hadn't seen that much strategy, uh, you know, in the race as far as, at, at least for the guys up front, this, this uh, position swapping was, uh, you know, more so mistakes or, or passes on the racetrack. So for Dylan, he figures, uh, you know, why not? Let's roll the dice. And it ends up uh, working out real well for him because he'd go on to get a top three.
0: Yeah, I thought he was going to fade like crazy, but he was able to hold it. So uh, pretty well.
1: It was real impressive. I, I honestly thought that maybe like a top ten would have been the kind of best case scenario, and he started thirteenth. So you typically expect somebody, you know, way back to to kind of make that gamble. But I think it's because he had a good enough car as is uh, that it showed us that to some extent that track position was important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, after that, you guys had an actual commercial with a probably it looks like a paying sponsor, Aces, uh, the monitor manufacturer. Uh, that was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, they were uh, a new partner that we brought on this week. So happy to have them uh, on board. They had some commercials and as well, uh, the branding was up uh, on the ticker. So they're one of our official gaming hardware partners uh, for the series. So uh, super cool for them to be on. And if anybody else, uh, any other brands are listed in, uh, we'd like to have you on too. Fun to get uh, more companies involved in sim racing.
0: Yeah, we love to support the companies that support the Coke series. So yeah, get on board. Uh, after that, it was Ottinger, Lowe, Duval, Tien on the restart. Uh, Duval and Conti move up to second and third as the run goes. Uh, Davies gets by Conti for third, and uh, after that, we we, we kind of got a, a Jimmy Bullis. I'm not sure exactly when. I think it was during this run, but his wheel shut off in the middle of that run. And he ended up uh, going down to the grass on the inside.
1: That's, I think, the most common thing we see as far as like a mechanical or a hardware failure is just the wheel disconnects. And, you know, there's so many different ways that that can happen. We've had guys have like Windows updates pop up and shut it all down. And, you know, just simply uh, the computer loses that USB device for like a split second and it reconnects. And you'd have to obviously relaunch your config uh, if it's like a G-Hub or whatever. And, uh, for, I mean, fortunately enough for the field is, is it took him off the racetrack. Uh, so, you know, it didn't take anybody else out in a big mess, but, uh, that was a a tough night for the Richmond raceway esports guys, uh, compared to how well they did two weeks ago.
0: All right. And now down to the 20 to go, it was Ottinger, Davies Duval, uh, Davies fastest car on the track, man. And we were rooting for him a little bit. Uh, he's had some good runs, a couple good runs this year. Um, And then with nine to go, uh, Leahy moves Bryant slightly uh, for seventh, uh, then gets Smith for sixth. He was just trying to get everything he could
1: get. Yeah, he was moving and, of course, hindered by the fact that uh, he started that race way back in 29th position. Uh, I think Keegan's somebody who could have really benefited, uh, you know, from a late race yellow. I'm not sure if if he had the speed to, to top the likes of Ottinger at the very top of the field and, and guys like Davies, but uh. Certainly Keegan would have hoped for a few more yellows because I think that would have made uh, what was uh, plus 24 on the night a bit easier if he was able to, to group folks up because he was making passes. But at that point, he's already seven seconds off of the race lead.
0: Yeah, so we're watching him kind of come up through there. And then with five to go, the battle was on with Luza and Conti, uh, the battle for fourth. But uh, we weren't watching up front because nobody had nothing for Nick Ottinger, who wins his 15th career win let's hear your call to the checker here
1: was about ryan luza who last week unseated him for second on the all-time wins list but the previous race winner here at dover for back in 2013 is gonna punch right back and the monster mile in 2020 is tamed by nick ottinger When I talked with Nick in his post-race interview, how it was kind of unfortunate for him, the fact that loses success kind of brought his name up because it just happened to be that, again, Nick was the only driver up until Ryan just did it to win three races in a row in this series. And of course, I'm a big fan of like, uh, you know, career stats and I'm always watching that all time wins list, which is one of my favorite things to look at. And it was the first time in quite some time we've seen, you know, somebody in the top five move. And it's always been lose it, climb it up. And last week he passed Nick with 15 wins to Ottinger's 14. Um, so fun, kind of fitting that with all of the talk and all of the hype around Lusa into tonight, that not only does he uh, snap Lusa's streak, but he, he ties him back for second all time and kind of make it a point that the veterans, uh, you know, you talk about Brad Davies having a real good night and he gotten in victory lane. Uh, not sure what year it is. Uh, the vets kind of swing it back at some of the newer faces, uh, somebody like Ryan, who's only been in for four years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A uh, great win for Nick. Uh, nice to see him uh, getting it done and stepping up, like you said, when he when needed to. Uh, and then points. I mean, we got uh, Luza leading, Zelensky, Leahy, Odinger now fourth, Garrett Lowe fifth.
1: And it's obviously a change with Zelensky having such a bad night that Ryan Luzer goes to the top. But you know, kind of my, the big points that I took away was Junior Motorsports is the only team right now that's got two cars inside of the top eight. That'll be Michael Conti six and Brad Davies jumping to seventh now uh, into the points. And Graham Bolin, uh, one of the bigger movers, he enters the top eight uh, in his Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota as uh, what would be the final driver. In our playoff top eight, of course, a lot of weeks to go. John Gorlinski, teammate to uh, Nick Ottinger, who, courtesy of the wind, jumped up to fourth, is sitting in ninth. So uh, William Byron Esports is knocking on the door as uh, maybe going to be that next team to have two faces in that top eight. But if I'm talking about all these drivers going forward, Mike, there's guys going backwards. And it was tough for Jake Nichols, Ashton Crowder, and Logan Clampett. Those have all been kind of historically those bubble drivers rated around P8 who need to string together a couple of their good races when it matters the most if they want to get in but zach novak he falls to 13th in the points ray Alfalla had been charging uh you know he's now backing into the teens in the championship as well uh so those are the drivers who of course if you got guys going up you got guys going down and it was the uh the kind of big names the the past champions uh in novak and uh ray who struggled as a result
0: Yeah, i think a lot of it was tire uh Ray said afterwards he was melting the tire off on the first run. And I think he said he blew it on while he was on pit road. Um, And then I think Schoenberg, I think it was, who said he blew two
1: tires. Yeah, tires was certainly the thing uh, with this this current tire model, uh, you know, trying to walk the balance between oval and road. And uh, I think you probably couldn't go any more than 70 laps uh, from what Michael Conti had told us uh, without – you know, basically blowing the tire. So that dictated strategy all night because it, it was kind of back to what we saw a few years ago where the strategy was not dictated by fuel. Uh, it was actually dictated by tires. That's
0: right. All right. So let's look at next, uh, race. we have got Charlotte coming up, uh, not next week, but the week after, right?
1: Yeah, and that's going to be our, our longest race of the season. Of course, uh, you know, for those who uh, don't know all the races in the Coca-Cola iRacing Series, 50% of uh, the Cup Series counterpart. So uh, we are still following along with what was the NASCAR schedule. I guess the Coke 600 Uh, as of the news today, is still going to be there. So, uh, yeah, we'll go racing for 200 laps and 300 miles. uh, And the first time in a while that we've been uh, to an intermediate racetrack. Of course, we've, uh, you know, been Bristol, Richmond, Dover, kind of those short tracks or shorter tracks on the campaign. And uh, we'll get to our first intermediate since Homestead uh, in the middle of March. So Charlotte's going to be fun. Uh, It also marks round number seven uh, on this regular season. Uh, so that gets us, uh, that much closer to, to being halfway through, of course, the regular season this year, uh, 16 uh, races of the 20.
0: Okay. Uh, fi- Thanks for coming on Evan Pasoko and talking, uh, the Coke race with us. We do appreciate that. Uh, final question, uh, any update or news on what's going to happen with, uh, Steve Sheehan and, and those guys that were on the Kyle Larson esports? uh, is iRacing have any plans? Do you know
1: of? Well, they were still in the uh, in the iRacing in NASCAR branded cars for this week, um, and and still the latest that I've heard is is that they're working on getting uh, support. Obviously, even before this happened, when we had twenty teams filling the forty roster spots, there was a lot of other teams' um, names brands uh that were interested um in in having a team in the series that i I can't name specifically um and it's just a matter of you know they had kind of been on hold because there was no room uh now there's a spot i'm sure they're going to do their best to work them in but uh i I wouldn't be surprised if if they stay uh you know kind of as a privateer if you would uh through the end of the season but ideally they do get some support sooner rather than later
3: yeah absolutely the economy is probably not helping
0: support either right
1: yeah i'm sure the timing uh, of all of this is is less than ideal as well
0: well you could see it the other way too with the the way esports is blowing up too you know it's yeah, going it's, the other it's way.
1: kind of the only place you could market your products right now so i mean we had asus come on so it's uh it, it just kind of comes down to um, you know, the, the situation, not only with the, you know, the, the company trying to get involved in, you know, disease sports make sense to them. Cause it's not like you're sponsoring a single event. I mean, you know, when real racing comes back, the Coke series is still going to be here. We hope that some of the new faces, uh, that kind of discovered this series in the last month, month and a half stick around, Uh, and and the partners have to kind of be aware that this is more of a long-term thing if you're going to be a team you know we don't want somebody who's going to support a couple of cars for a few weeks and forget about it so certainly hoping we can find the right fit
0: yeah and i think asus is a great uh fit for iRacing because we all need asus monitors in fact my triples are asus
1: I would like some too. So if Asus wants my address, I'll I'll send it to them and, and they can get me hooked up. It's fun seeing all of the all of the different partners get involved. Uh, I know uh, you know people like Logitech as well have been you know involved in the community and has, has sponsored the winning car in Nick Ottinger. And uh, you know I've always used Logitech stuff uh, forever. So. Uh, that's kind of where I think the you know the bang for your buck comes in is you know the sim rig builders and the hardware builders and the software people all in the sim racing space. I think the people that really need to take a look uh, at this and. You know ASUS and all the the other names, which I won't name any other brands that make similar hardware because they're not paying for it. So ASUS and people like, like ASUS that make uh, you know stuff hardware that you put in your into your PC builds that help you go sim race. And I think those are the people uh, that can really stand to benefit from from getting involved in this.
0: All right, very good, Evan Pasoko, Thanks for coming on and talking Coke racing. And uh, hey, we'll try to catch you next race.
1: Yep, there's a couple more stuff. So enjoy the uh, the last couple of weeks of you know pro invitational and all the rest of that jazz. And we'll be back uh, May 12th, and I'm sure we'll chat uh, the couple days after.
0: Okay, very good, uh, Evan Pasoko. All right, guys, uh, Greg, let's jump into the next topic. What do we got? All right, I'll uh, start here. We got uh got some pre race stats
3: for uh, for the pro invitational. Just to go over. How esports in general over all the different sports are going and man, it's interesting to see the numbers of how what what people are watching. Like, did you not find some of these numbers like crazy to w- look at? Like obviously the NASCAR ones are are dominating in iRacing, but even to have like the NBA stuff and st- all that show on here.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, Mortal Kombat and Madden, I mean, they're between a hundred and two hundred thousand. But then iRacing Nine hundred seventy-one thousand—quite a disparity. Well, even at a peak at one point three million, right? But it does show iRacing holds the top four spots for twenty twenty in esports history in viewership. Now, having all these people watching,
3: maybe it's helped uh, some teams land some new sponsors. David, you got anything on that?
2: Well, I do, and I'm scrolling. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Adam Stern put out an announcement. Rouse Fenway landed a couple of new ones. Uh, new sponsors I have Monster on the brain. Um the US Air Force Reserve is a new esports sponsor for them. It's going on the 6 and the 17 as associate sponsors this week or it was this last week and it'll be on there um for the full sponsor uh for the sixth car at Dover. There you go. I
0: mean, that's a virtual only sponsor or it says esports specific sponsor.
2: It really seems like these sponsors are blowing up. Well, and- safer
0: for the air force to kind
3: of promote in there right because they would be kind of looking for a younger generation or
0: population wouldn't they not trying to enlist yeah makes sense to me i think it's all over though i mean as we're going back to real racing i mean this series is going to end probably yeah but maybe something else comes out of it where they maybe take it
3: somewhere else and maybe they go to the roush or nascar uh sorry
0: roush uh coca-cola cars serious. right exactly like uh like evan was saying there's a lot of opportunity
2: and um is a real good chance for them to be more affordable as well i think
0: well i'm sure i'm sure
3: whatever is being charged or worked out as a contract with these sponsors i'm sure it definitely has nothing to do with because there's not you're just sponsoring it for there is no you know having to pay to come up with a certain amount of money to run a team with it it's just you know, a visual sponsor, right?
2: True, but I'm sure the the real-life teams still have that in mind when they're coming up with oh, yeah. prices.
3: Yeah, they're trying to still make some profit and revenue to help out supplement
0: what they're going to be doing in the next couple months here, which just sounds ridiculous. So let's talk about the race itself. I mean, I was entertained. I, I didn't take notes because I just kind of was wanting to enjoy it as a fan, and I was, you know, entertained. I love Talladega. Um, what would you guys think about Clint Boyer leading the race? He's pushing a freaking lap car. And and I think McR- McReynolds even told him uh, something about cooling down his engine. And then seconds later, guess what? Blew up in smoke.
3: Well, and there, I know uh, listening to some other podcasts said that someone was confused on how he didn't know that he was blowing up. Well, and I think last night, Mike, you were kind of configured for trying to figure out temperatures. Well, you know, you got the white temperature on the gauge saying it's it's running good. The yellow, it's fine still. But if it starts blinking red at you, red, you should be able to see red and know that that's. I don't know what view like how close uh, Boyer sits. I, I have they actually shown f- from his dash to see where he was, if he can see his dash or not.
2: I Do don't think- know, but I will say this: the digital page one, it doesn't blink; it just turns red.
3: Yeah, but I, you can see it really clear. Yeah. It's just, you know, he made a mistake. And I watched, watching this Talladega race, it kind of, you know, this is my only opinion on it. But, it's and you, and Mike, I know you were saying that you're kind of disappointed in some of the stuff. This race had a lot of the problems of what sim racing can be. I, I kind of, it kind of brought all kinds of faults all at once, right? It's just, and it was good to see Boyer and Gordon... Um, having fun, but you know, it doesn't look good when Gordon's car is stuck in the catch fence. Um, we have another topic after this one um, about what happened to Denny Hamlin, and there's just things that didn't. Uh, it, it felt like there was a lot of problems, issues that are sim relate rating, uh,
4: sim racing related, right? Yeah. The broadcast team did a really good job of dealing with that stuff, though. They seem to have a lot of fun with it they they kind of made the broadcast for me the race itself was kind of yeah i guess it wasn't bad but it was kind of messy but they they had so much fun with it that they made it fun for me i've been enjoying them more than the real races honestly right foxes broadcast anyway because their broadcasts are usually not my favorite <laughs> well
3: and it's kind of interesting like obviously jeff gordon was You know, he could tell he was going into that. He just could feed it. He was really, and then he kind of had more and more fun
0: with the rivalry with Boyer, right, bringing that back. Yeah, it was fun to watch Jeff. Uh, His face was just lit up, um, you know, when he was having fun, when he was, like, you know, making moves, and you could just see it in his eyes. It was really fun to watch. Well, he probably misses the competitive edge, right? You know, when
3: you had done it so long, and then, aren't doing it anymore. And when you can find, you know, do something where it's
0: safe for him to get back in a car to do it. Right. I think that's the biggest thing that can sell iRacing right now is just look at Jeff, look at the joy he got out of that. After not being in a car for so long, you put him in an iRacing simulator. He's never really been in and you can just see it. Pure excitement, joy, that level of competition. Hey, I'm running good. You know, you could see it pretty cool. Yeah, Alex Bowman ended up the winner. Uh, there was a nice video uh, Kevin Hamlin put up of the last uh, video of the last lap of the race and the moves that he was calling as a spotter. Kind of yeah, cool. he
4: uh, he tweeted up the last restart was really fun spotting a super speedway race from the actual stand is more comfortable than doing it like this. <laughs> so um, apparently a little difficult. But what was he doing spotting for Bowman anyway? Did any of y'all hear how that came to be? No, isn't he Hamlin's? I mean, he's Denny Hamlin's spotter, right? Yeah.
0: Did
3: I don't know? Maybe he was just helping out. I don't know. Because doesn't Hamlin usually get one of his team guys to spot for him?
2: I think he's. Gonna, I think he's going to get his daughter to start spotting for him. Oh man!
4: <laughs> no, he should have had Kevin Hamlin as a second spotter spotting his rig. Yeah. No. no
2: that
3: <laughs> re- that remote should not exist in anywhere but like hidden when
0: when that happens okay so what happened is denny was racing along his daughter taylor comes in to see what's going on she has a tv remote control in her hand and as she turns to walk away apparently she hits the little power button on the remote and his center monitor powers off and he puts it in the wall the best part was when you just see her turn around and go "Uh uh-oh yeah, I think Denny said, oh, my monitor just turned off, or something like that.
3: Well, he was trying to get, like, if you watch the uh, onboard of him trying to gather, the worst part was, is, okay, that happened, you pr- they still had a reset. Well, no, he got in an incident early and already used his reset. So right. it
0: pretty much finished his race off, right? Well, the other thing that happened, I, I know this has happened to me, if one of the monitors goes off, it kind of messes up my configuration, and you almost have to like restart the sim or something to get it to work right
2: there's a thing on the rift as well if if the battery in your controller gets too low it'll switch in the middle of the race to a blue screen you can't see anything
0: yeah poor denny
2: uh <laughs> he hasn't really had
3: any luck since the first week right he really has
2: first win curse
4: a, hasn't been a competitor or everybody just got better <laughs> The look on his daughter's face was priceless, though. Like, she knows she's in so much trouble. Has, has there been any videos of her since this came out? Like, is she alive and well? <laughs> I wonder. Well, he, he, I don't know. Does she show up in the video? When, no, he. she
3: doesn't show up in the video when he's doing his little post-race thing on Twitter. Yeah, so that
0: kind of went viral. Uh, that was inter- all over social media. We had a great highlights video put out that was 10 minutes long by NASCAR on Fox. And, uh, if you didn't watch the race, you know, and you have 10 minutes, this is a great video to kind of, you know, Hey, see what happened and see what, you know, who did what and check out the big wrecks, that kind of thing. But of course one wreck with Gordon up into the fence and it literally stuck into the fence too. And, and that made, um, that
3: made also him have to get a tow, which put him a couple laps down or something too, didn't it? And then they got
0: all kinds of wave rounds. Wasn't there a big problem with wave rounds? Yeah, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Again, the officiating, you know, let's set a rule and and live by it. Let's not, oh, half of them went, uh, uh, you know, laps down, so let's just wave them all by. Yeah. But i that one part where Gordon was saying uh, he was confused after he got up in the wall, and you know he was towing, and he's like, I thought this was a fast reset. Like he was expecting to, you know, take his fast reset and go right back on the track. And I don't think he understood that he had to wait for it to toe. Well, he did have one of the
3: the most experienced guys in resets in the other side of the room with him, though. He was trying to get pointers from him.
0: Well, I think Jimmy Mullis was there as well in person to kind of help them along. And so when you saw Jeff looking over asking questions, I think he's talking to Jimmy Mullis. That makes sense. but Yeah. I'm guessing,
3: obviously, it wasn't clear to him in the first place right off the bat. He he did all this testing and driving and doing a whole bunch of stuff, but obviously there's no way to test about resets unless it's in a room that you're in, right?
0: So stats uh was 1.2 million uh, for the Sunday Talladega race. Uh, that's up from 971,000 last week at Richmond. It's the second highest for any NASCAR iRacing event so far.
3: I want to see... What do you think the numbers are the first race that it goes back on TV, like when it comes back, is going to be? Do you think viewership is going to be?
0: It's going to be lower than that. <laughs> you afraid. think so? I said that before. I think I said that two weeks ago. That NASCAR is going to be surprised when their real racing has worse ratings than this does. I don't know. I Maybe I, not. I, I, don't know I, I wonder if it will be you. up
3: there for a the first
4: couple weeks. But the more they race, will it become like iRacing where it just gets oversaturated? I was going to say the first couple weeks would be good just because it's been gone so long. I can't wait to hear just the motors, but then yeah, the racing won't be as good and broadcast won't be as fun. And
0: okay. So you're right. The first few weeks, they'll probably be pretty high because everyone wants to see what's going to happen with the no fans and the no media and the pit crews that, you know, they're not going to have real live pit stops and all that. But when they start racing Darlington every three days or whatever they're going to do, I think it's going to get a little monotonous. Well, and I think the harder one will be the Wednesday nights to have people, right?
3: I mean, right now in this pandemic, it's a little bit easier because people are going to be more people are going to be home. But once things, people start making their way back to work and stuff. And if they have still stuff on Wednesday nights, that's going to be hard if it starts at eight o'clock at night, right?
0: Yeah, we're going to, I'm going to miss it. I'll be running NIS. (laughs) We all will be. Just have it playing in the background. You have a big TV up on the top, don't you, Mike? Yeah, I can always have it running. But uh, let's switch gears. IndyCar, uh, I called it. <laughs> I did not see
3: it. like just in my head. I, you know, I know Lando's an awesome sim racer, and he really proved it. But man, did he make that look easy?
0: He was a half second faster than everybody throughout the practices, qualifying, and whatnot. And they're all running the same set too, which is
3: crazy to know yeah. that. You know, I mean, these guys—he's—he's he's fast in anything he gets into, and. Just the fact that he spun it and went back, what was the furthest back of like, I think it was like 10th spot, and then just yeah. drove his way back up spun with, and won. with the normal pit strategy he was going to go with in
0: the first place. There were some other people that spun as well, so he wasn't the only one, but it was impressive. If, if willpower probably, it would have been t- very close
3: with Lando near the end there, because willpower was just as, was, was hanging with them. And it would have been hard for him to, you know, catch back up after that
0: spin. Yeah, I saw parts of this, uh, the end of it on my phone. Uh, it was a good broadcast, and it, they actually announced the the track for next week is Indy, the Indy Oval, and they uh, Lando's invited, and apparently he's going to run again.
3: It'll be interesting to see how he does on the oval side. It'll be an interesting race running that in Indy without, uh, on a fixed setup without any being able to do any weight jacker changes.
0: And so the IndyCar guys have been running oval races, uh, Indy all week in practice. I saw one last night. I was watching one of the Twitch feeds, uh, one of the Penske drivers. I forget who, no, New Garden, That's who. And then there's another one going on literally as we speak. Uh, but those are a blast to watch. Uh, I think it was speed 51.com, uh, runs those as well. All right, uh, Chris, let's switch gears again. How about IROC on Wednesday?
4: Yeah, this Boxes um, Wednesday night show has probably been my favorite racing to watch of the week, every week, consistently now. They've been, I, I really wish they do this on Sunday because they just kind of throw a random car track combo with these guys, so you don't, you know, that you don't have that expectation like you do on Sunday for these guys to be perfect because they're professionals, and you know, nobody expects Kyle Busch to be able to run a UMP modified at Eldora, so... If he's slow who cares he's supposed to be you know so these have been a lot of fun and it's uh gordon and boyer still uh, which you know helped a lot with uh, making a, a fun race to watch um harvick and kyle bush they made both the races uh, the first race was the the arca car and at, at michigan that was their IROC race they painted them up in the the Rock paints again um bobby labani wins the race. Man. <laughs> they yeah, they so uh they qualified the cars and inverted the top 6 and so I think uh he was pretty quick. Um the uh whole time uh Elliot Sadler was another guy that was really fast. He had the pole I think before the inversion and had to drop back. He uh was quick the whole race and there was no i mean it was a it was a fun race to watch they kind of the first lap or two they kind of were getting settled in and then after that it was just a big wad of cars and they were getting it it was it was a good show but then like the last lap sadler's cars just lagged out big time and it did that thing where it'll pop back in but it's inside your somebody else's car and it was inside ferrucci's car so you have, you know, so it messes up the draft, and you said this wad of um, like this half-meshed uh, Ferrucci and Sadler car and Labani going for the win, and like, Labani edges them out. Like all but, kind yeah. of melded together, is what it looked like. Yeah, it was crazy, but all three of those guys were fast. I mean, they were they were mixing it up the whole race. Any any, any one of them could have won it uh, second race. And you know, it was so cool to see Sadler back. He posted up, uh, uh, I think a video on Twitter after the race of him talking about how much fun he had. And he was in a blonde wig. I don't, he never explained blonde wig cause he's Elliot Sadler. I don't know, but it was fun to to see him there. I wish they would have had the, the, uh, the live camera on him. I'd like to see more of those. Cause those were fun to watch. They had a few of them, man. Those guys are tense when they're out there racing. Yeah. Um, the second race was the uh, UMP Modifieds at Eldora. That race, it was kind of tough because man, that, is, that is a tough, tough track. And I don't know, you know, if you're doing these fun races, you are not probably getting a lot of practice, do something a little bit easier. I it, it was uh, Chase Briscoe kind of ran away with it, as he would, because, you know, he's awesome. And he's a dirt it's guy a, Yeah, and it's uh, such a hard place. Uh, montoya just destroyed scott speed i mean these cars they were hitting each other hard they were hitting the wall hard i don't know what their damage settings were on, but that oh, was another thing off. yeah it kind of well i thought so too because they were hitting it so hard as i said like, they have to have it off but then briscoe's car in victory lane it was all tore up on the the right side and he wasn't in any wrecks so it was just from him scraping the wall the whole whole time but i don't know that was part of it too it made it with seeing all that them hit the wall so hard and practically to flip over and keep going it just made it feel too arcadey but um uh, they did a little piece on mario andretti between the races and he actually raced a sprint car outdoor i didn't know that but he stayed on and did some guest announcing with them that was that was really cool it's a really fun night i wish it was longer it's only an hour these races but yeah i just i'd like to see more of this incorporated into sunday's racing that's legit when you bring on mario yeah, it was a, It's always been a really fun show to watch, consistently every week. I think
0: Adam Alexander is a big part of that. I mean, his uh,
4: enthusiasm
0: is infectious.
4: Yeah, you don't have to catch it live. I don't. I'm always racing Wednesday night with y'all. I just you can watch it on the app on the Fox Sports app. I'll catch it. Uh, watch it while I'm messing with the podcast script. There you go. All right, David, the Battery Tender Global
0: Mazda MX-5 Cup.
2: Okay, so Mazdas are raced more than probably just about any other car all over America. At least they like to the boast that. Um and we have an $8,000 purse for an iRacing Mazda Championship that's going to mirror I guess the real life Mazda Championship. Uh 1500 is going to first prize. Uh, there is a registry uh entry fee of $55. I think I don't know if that's that's for each race. Um it's running a five race schedule in the Mazda and it's mostly going to be entry intrig- uh the invites going mostly to people who've been at the top of the mazda series in, in the past as as far as i can tell
3: what an odd sponsor to get for iRacing, racing but it's good to see something different sponsor wise what tires well no battery tenders they're the trickle chargers that you put on like boats and m- motorcycles when they're parked for long periods of time It's a trickle charger so that it, you know, you don't have a dead battery when you want to go and use it.
0: Hey, money is green, right? Yeah, pretty cool. This is uh, on MX-5cup.com, an article that they put up about their uh, new series. So check it out if you're a cup driver. Might be uh, some money in it. Pretty cool. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Next up, Greg, the virtual races are drawing millions of viewers sim racers and streamers are seizing the moment so this was an article off uh, the washington post
3: yes Uh, on their launcher uh, which is their esports or their video game uh, news part of their thing of their uh, newspaper but it's a quick article that uh, talks how that twitch and just streamers in general are benefiting from you know what's going on right now in the world um and there's a couple things on here uh that we've you know got pointed out. Um this is from uh Jimmy uh, broadbent. Uh it was a dream come true for uh for him. Uh battling wheel to wheel with Formula One driver Lando Norris on the final corner corner of Bahrain Grand Prix, tire struggling for grip as he powered ahead to take fourth place. Um I know, I know Jimmy's a pretty big uh, streamer on here on YouTube and stuff, and uh, he, he does a lot of good content too. So um, uh, Also, in the midst of the coronavirus shutdown, streamers such as Broadbent have suddenly become minor celebrities. Um, with professional drivers now participating in virtual competition each week, sim racing has been thrust into the spotlight. Gaming... A whole new level, gaining a whole new level of attention uh, and legitimacy, and long-term, fa- long-time fans and, part- to, and participants who will last. Um, I've seen pretty this cool. even. I've seen this even over at, just in gaming in general has gotten huge right now with with all the streaming stuff. So it, it's it's really good
0: to see that people are capitalizing on it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The Washington Post is actually covering it. Uh, but a neat article uh, with some quotes from that Jimmy Broadbent guy.
2: All right, next we have up. streams up. Yeah, go ahead. We have streams up. How many? What's your average viewers, Greg? I think like-
0: <laughs> three, maybe uh, sometimes three, but the Royal teammates. team. We get a lot of views, but not a lot of you know people that are commenting.
2: It's kind of
3: it's kind of odd, like you know we're you know a lot of people that are going to come and watch streaming for it are going to either find the big personalities like. Um, jimmy there and stuff like that like you know ours is a little bit different streaming we're just streaming us racing or not a personalities to it right
2: yeah i did have a pretty good conversation going on in my race right before here uh where i, w- I was running a le Mans race and i was chatting with him and i came into pit early and turned too hard to the left and broke the car yeah, it, don't get, it, uh, he distracted. thought it was, well he thought it was his turn i was just i wasn't it wasn't a distraction i was just trying to make a real hard turn and trying to get too much out of the car But, um, so what about rookies? Yeah. So we got a
0: video from our uh, friend of the podcast, Dave Cameron, um, rookie tips for oval racing. And he does a 21 minute video of him running street stock at USA. He actually uh, started up a second account. It looks like with some bogus name and, uh, is going out there for the first time and just, uh, running a random rookie race and just kind of talking through how to get through it and what to expect what to look for and with so many new people onto the on the sim this is a real uh fitting uh video i thought
3: that's the number one question if you look at all the facebook pages or anything in the forums, is how do i get out a rookie safe and gain my safety rating and stuff like that so you know he's done a good one on the roadside a couple weeks ago we put we uh showcased and now he's got this one uh it's good to see that uh he's helping out the fellow racer cuz a lot of guys aren't
2: right now The real answer though is if you, if you just wanting to get up in class is just, just, just don't race just make laps There you go
0: don't hit anything Chris how about some diecast
4: Yeah um Ray Alfala posted on Facebook a picture of a work in progress by um Kyle Putts on his new um Coke ride for this year and uh, man, it looks awesome. You know, all of his work does. But if you want to get um, a diecast made of of your paint, um, just check out his Facebook page, Kyle Putz Customs. I mean, all of his work is really cool. It looks pretty dang good. He's BRS done BRS paint
0: job.
3: He's done a lot of replica cars of guys' paint jobs in here, and Chris is right. Like they're
0: they're top notch paints. Yeah, he's done this for a while now. Yeah, Kyle Putz, P-U-T-Z. So check that out uh let's keep moving uh, david
2: so the website was having some issues on april 23rd uh, we have one reply on here where a guy had some problems towards the end he thought it might have been a page fault um uh, i don't know if that's website related or not because we were in a race the other night and the website went down for a while while we were still in the server or it wasn't a race it was a practice we were in one of the big uh big practice sessions i think for specific majors and um the website was down for a while but the server stayed up and then the website came back up so um you can scan through the thread and you see that they they got it as soon as they got a tent as soon as iRacing got aware of it they started working on it and got it back up pretty quick
0: this has been hit and miss the last week or so with the website so uh this is a little out of, we have a different story later about this we'll talk about it more let's keep moving greg uh, how to use Teams in the beta UI. So Alex Gustason uh,
3: just posted in the forums um, just a quick uh, a link to the site where you can uh, it goes over how to use the beta UI team portion of the uh, for it for the beta UI. So it's just basically a tutorial on how to use it, and uh, yeah. So if you want to check that out, uh, it's a uh, iRacing.com slash team dash racing dash how dash two forward slash.
0: I thought it was an okay website. I mean, it's kind of plain Jane. I mean, it's real simple. There's four pages. They tell you team management, how to edit teams, how to get on track. And so I guess if you're brand new, this might be helpful.
3: And you're using the beta UI for it. Right. The rest of it, you
0: know, in the, on the main website, it's pretty straightforward. All right. Next up, we had a beta UI release. And so release notes were uh, put out. Um, and I'm not going to go through all of these, um, but they're constantly adjusting the, the beta UI to try to make it better. Um, anything that you guys see in the list we need to talk about, I don't see anything. Well, wasn't there a couple of tracks that were added? Well, I'm not talking about the release, oh. the actual release. This oh, is the sorry. beta UI. My bad yeah we're gonna we're gonna let that one go so next david 24 hours of the ring
2: so this isn't really as much of a race cap as a specific video of an insane uh track bug car just gets launched up into the air somewhere out on nuremberg um and they showed a link following with the required repairs after the after the impact was an hour and 31 minutes wow and then they went back out, and the same thing happened at the exact same spot. And so, it's not like he's
0: off the track; he's like literally in the groove, right, when it, yeah. the car launches.
2: Yeah, I don't know how he could find a place, find something like this twice, and it not be, be being reported all over the place. So I don't know if it was something to do with their setup that caused it to happen. Because how does this? How does this only happen to one car? Right.
0: And then, have you ever seen required repairs that high? No. I, I, I didn't even think it could, you know, what's the point? <laughs> what is the point after that much time? An hour and a half. Oh my God. That is something. Um, there was also a, a report from Nicholas Bailey about the 24 hours of Uh He indicated the issues we saw this morning after the 9 a.m. session went live were similar to what we saw during the Sebring 12 hours This time we were able to react react a bit quicker and rectify the problem. It was an issue with a certain type of call the classic member site makes, which is triggered more often than necessary during the special events. We were able to adjust how that works for future special events, which should prevent the spate of 504 errors that the classic member site experience once all the team members start piling in. So the website was having issues during the, the ring when everybody was trying to join through the website and the website couldn't keep up.
3: I'm wondering what's going to happen when we get to the race that everybody wants to race, the Le one, and they get, you know, they're having problems with these little problems that they're finding, but they've never seen this many active users at a time. And I'm just wondering if the site's gonna have more and more problems as we go for these in big endurance races, and 24 Hours of Le Mans would be the one that I would think would be the worst one to have with
2: it. Daytona went okay, but I know we weren't in lockdown then. Well, hopefully, but if, even
3: if you even if you look at it right now, there's almost I'm showing 16,000 people online.
4: Hopefully, That's by normal. then they'll have um, enough time to ramp up, you know, their servers and stuff and get ready for it. Or they did mention like since the the beta UI is a lot less. Um, load intensive for them maybe during a big event like that you say hey if you want to run this in bit you have to do it through the beta ui okay nis are we going to change the schedule chris due to the coronavirus well there's been a lot of chatter about it on the forums including uh, mike you even hopped in on there and gave your two cents but um tyler hudson did eventually chime in on one of the posts and said there are no plans to change the current nis schedules at this time Hopefully it stays that way. I don't know what they why they would. I'm kind of in in the same why you know, would opinion we? as you. Yeah, it's like why would they mess with it? ours? is fine. It wasn't I don't disrupted. Want, I
3: don't want them to get rid of some of the road courses.
4: I want those road courses. Well, they're gonna do some weird stuff too. I mean, they're gonna probably race on some Wednesday. So what do you do on an NIS week? You know, everybody you know, there's some people that can't race a particular few days a week. That's why NIS is nice with that schedule that's spread out throughout the week.
2: So, are they wanting to change the run times or the track schedule? The they're track schedule.
3: All of the track schedule. So they would say, like the neck the week that they go racing at Darlington,
2: we'll be racing that week at Darlington all week. So, well, we we'll basically already we already get to do that. We get to run four Darlingtons. So oh, yeah, yeah. No,
3: but they're gonna stay in this this area right now. That schedule's coming out. The only thing that's gonna stay in the actual time slot is the Coke Six Hundred. The rest of them are all changing. That would normally be around that time of year.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, we don't probably aren't going to get to go to Sonoma at all, but we don't have to do it in the virtual track.
3: But they're talking about they could go to road, they could change and go to like a Road Atlanta or uh, Road America or something like that if they want to do it. Because because even Watkins Glen is kind of a no-no in, in New York State, right?
2: That's not f- for sure because there's some. St- there were some reports that upstate may be a little bit better off than New York City, and they might not have to follow the same guidelines. But
3: it's just, I think they need to just stay on course with what they're doing right now. It's going to be what it is on TV and what they're doing. Like I said, we're going to have race after race after race. We're going to see a lot of NASCAR in a little short span of time, and there are probably going to be some funky things at NASCAR in a short period of time with, you know, what if somebody tears up a lot of cars real early? They haven't been building cars or things for a while. Like, what happens when
0: these things get, you know, to the you know race after race after race? We'll see who's ready and who's not. Next up, we got the Porsche esports sprint challenge. Now this is kind of cool. So this is piggybacking off of uh, the
3: actual Porsche series, right? Right. So for everybody this, else. One, this is calling the Porsche tag, tag here esports super cup um so now they're doing this porsche uh it's going to go off of that but they're now doing the porsche esports sprint challenge which will be in the uh, porsche cayman gt4 the new car Um, so the event will be open up to all iRacers except the 40 competitors that are already running in the porsche tag uh, tag here esports super cup so everybody's eligible except for the 40 i guess that are in the top series um, which is exciting because that looks like it'll be a cool event to, char- to uh, race in. Um, so grid sizes will match uh, the max field size of the series. Uh, if you just missed the cutoff qualifying, fear not. Uh, I racing go uh, ahead of you uh, does not register the session. Then the next driver outside the cutoff will be eligible. I missed a part there. Sorry about that. Um, but anyways, so it's so one hour
0: before the the big event. Yeah,
3: that's what it is. Yeah, the so, pre race event. Yeah, yeah, that's what I missed there. Um, so it looks like uh, we'll uh, have another thing to uh, another challenge race to
0: uh, be, bef- you know, a feeder series. I guess they could call it. But, so it's a it's a super session. So that means you race throughout the week, and then whoever does well can go into the super session. Is that how that works? And then they can race in that. I'm guessing that's. Uh, how it's going to be? So it's the top. I racers who outperform the competition during a series designated week will be allowed to participate in the super session for that series. Okay, so then the top split of,
3: of uh, Porsche Esports sprints Challenge will be broadcasted um, prior to the t- uh, Porsche
0: uh, race as well. And if you're top split and it's going to be broadcast, you have to submit your paint. Uh, there is a paint template. And they have rules on the website uh, where you can find more information.
3: Basically, it's just saying don't have anything that's offensive or copyrighted, I guess.
2: That's pretty standard with every league now.
0: Well, right, we're coming up on Season 3, David.
2: Yep, and that means it's time to get in your community um, applications, basically. Your community template schedules. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get in involved in the IMSA and Le Mans scheduling, because I'd like to see them go to the Roval which still hasn't happened yet. Uh, so that's my two cents there. Uh, that when, when you submit a schedule, it actually has to be um, a community submission, so not just an individual request.
0: Yeah, so get on the forums and work as a group and, and try to come up with schedules. I racing uh-huh. will listen to the community. I'm wondering with more people in the community now, if more people will participate with that being
3: the first time that all these, some of these new customers are coming in can get a chance to put their input, right?
0: Hope so. But there's a post in every uh, series forums where you can uh, get the template and uh, start that conversation. So let's get into the website issues some more, Chris.
4: Yeah, so um, Chris Page of iRacing staff uh, made a forum post to kind of address uh, some of the, you know, everybody, I personally haven't had any problems with uh, um, iRacing, but I don't, I know a lot of people that have, so it's, it's, uh, they've been having a lot of bugs, a lot of patches, a lot of downtime, a lot of dropped races, some NIS races where people got cut off on the last lap, so, um, He did say that uh, we've been keeping pace with the growth of the service by adding resources in every area of the infrastructure. This includes new race servers, including a new race farm, web servers, and database resources, et cetera. Network bandwidth continues to be significantly over-provisioned, but we are still adding capacity on the routes that we foresee the potential for an upcoming need. So they're working on it, Um, and... he also said the beta UI application infrastructure uses the same resources, but accesses them in an orderly fashion. We focus development on the functions necessary to join races. If all members use beta UI, we would be in much better shape. While members were having trouble, those currently in beta UI were still functional and only began having issues after the classic website locked up resources. So, I think a lot of members that felt like he was saying, if you just use the beta UI, we wouldn't have these problems.
2: That's and what he that, said,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of, that prompted a, a discussion on how the beta UI could be improved by iRacing members. Oh, my God. Can of worms. So, whole <laughs> separate crap. thread was started eight pages
0: so far. And I went through these eight pages and just kind of read them. Oh my God. There's so much stuff broken or not right in the beta UI that worse than the website and everybody on every post points it out. Every little thing. I mean, they have so much to work on off of this thread. It's amazing.
3: Which makes
0: what's begs to, you know, the question, why
3: do they have two things that they're focusing on? Like, you know, devote one of your resources to one side or the other. Like they're trying to build two different things here and, it sounds like one's missing one thing. One's It's hurting both sides. I mean, the website's pretty much
0: been pretty good for a long, long time. They don't want people to use the website. That's why they make the beta UI. Eventually, the idea is to get rid of it, I think. But um, right now, I think it, I've read somewhere it was like 50-50. People are using the beta 50% and the website 50%. And they want more people to use the beta, but... As this eight-page thread points out, the beta is not better. It's It takes more clicks to get to where you want. It's harder to find stuff. It's not as visually appealing. There's so many different things that is not right.
2: I prefer the website because I have a bookmark for each of my, my divisions that I go into that go straight to the sessions page where I can just immediately, you know, so it's two clicks for me to get in a race. Two clicks, right, exactly.
0: So you sit at your computer, you click your button twice, and you're in a race. You can't do that in a beta UI, I guarantee it. Just going through the pages here
3: while you guys are talking, the average years of people that are commenting here, at least seven or eight years have been on the service. So they've gone through the website for a long time. So it's good to see that their feedback and testing the UI and knowing what's wrong with
0: it, I don't know. I, I think if they just recreated the website into the beta UI, so it looks exactly the same, I think people would be happy. I think that would solve eight these eight pages of problems because they're trying to recreate something that has really been honed down to a science. That website, and uh, you know, like you said, you can get in a race with two clicks, and it, and for them to re- make that in the beta UI, they just can't or they with the people they have i don't know if they i've said this before maybe they need to start over with a different set of people just to have a different perspective because as all these people in this thread point out there's so many things that are just not great well it sounds like the when you look at the beta ui it looks like it's trying to be
3: made into like the way a video game starts up right like it, it, it's it's a separate thing, like pretty. when you would launch NASCAR 2003, right? Yeah, it's pretty. But it just seems like it's they're trying to. Well, and you said Mike, if you run it, it runs your fans and your video cards and stuff. It always
0: constantly runs video cards. That's what. Like yeah, one things. guy pointed that out in this thread. He said, "Look, my computer usage is higher if I launch the sim from beta versus the website."
3: Actually, I just got onto that guy's post here. With uh, the
0: performance of his uh,
3: right CPU,
0: and, uh, they pushed back a little bit on that. They were saying it doesn't use much uh, compared to Chrome, but who knows? Uh, I don't want to complain too much about it, but I'm not a fan of the beta UI uh, yet. And maybe that's why it's beta.
3: Well, the problem is they'll, they'll just keep adding stuff to the beta UI that doesn't make its way to the website, and it'll force people over there eventually, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of a ugly uh, tug of war. Because
3: they've started doing the, you know, they put the AI over there, they've put certain things on the hosted, right?
0: Well, it's just the user interface is not friendly. I mean, like one po- person put up the picture of the little grid that shows all the information and it's just too hard to read. You know, and it's
2: just too much. And it's not just the interface in uh, the, like and the majors does pre qualifying for all of their events and actually puts you in a separate split splits based on your qualifying and has your grid, everything pre gridded. They cannot do that in the beta unit interface It loses the grid information. Um, so when they turn around and go to the website and then they pre grid it, they can't set the date. Yeah, I may have it backwards, but one of the things, either the date doesn't get set right or the they can't grid it and set the date. So we have to run every race with May weather.
0: All right, let's keep moving in the interest of time. Uh, next up is a uh, forum post from Kyle Hayer from New York. He put up a, a post: Why are we missing out on force feedback with the curbs? Uh, like when you're in road racing and you hit the curbs. He puts up a nice little uh, video, uh, a slow motion video showing going over the curbs at the Roval and how the suspension and the tire is going up and down as he goes over those curbs. However, if you look at one of the other tracks like Barcelona, Silverstone, Sebring or Road America and he goes over those same curbs, it's smooth as silk. There's no bumps. There's no compression on the shocks uh what do you think uh, the difference is here
2: the curb
3: well it's is it a different type of curbing yeah like in nascar they use the the big curbs so that they actually don't get off like if you notice in like open wheel racing they you, they have a lot of runoff area that they drive onto that they kind of just paint to look like it i don't know yeah,
2: some of those curbs are not turtles they it's oh, just it's just painted asphalt
3: yeah, and it's just chained the colors like, and looks like a turtle just to make,
0: or whatever you call them, to simulate it, right? Well, his point is, is even though it's, it's showing smooth and the, the suspension doesn't move, when he shows a picture of the actual curve at Barcelona, it does have some up and down to it. Not as much, but it does. I think that's yeah. what his post is about, basically.
3: That could be an issue, then. Did, uh, did any the iRacing staff
0: get back to him? This post doesn't look like I don't think they've uh replied to this yet, but I thought it was interesting. So, more to come on that. Let's keep moving. Race 12, no words, just watch. Uh, I posted this up
3: on our uh, our our Facebook Messenger, and I don't even know what to say to this. This is a supercar series at Montreal, and (laughs) it looks like a demolition derby into the first three corners of that racetrack. And that's already a tight thing. And it looks like they wrecked like t- two or three meters right away from the right off the finish line. Yeah. It's, it's, it was a standing a start. Rest.
2: It yeah. was a standing start and they were four wide before the first two cars got going.
3: Well, and it looks like, you know, if you watch the one, one car blinks in at the last second and then it just was, a, it just was a mess and everybody, nobody slowed down. They just look, we're pushing through.
0: Oh, there's a guy in front of me. I'll just keep in the gas and push on through. Yep. And of course, uh, NASCAR driver Joey Logano was in this race to, uh, you know, be as a guest. Yeah, he got spun as well. And uh, boy, what a pile up there in turn two! It looked like uh, I mean, it was a
2: huge, huge wreck for a road course. It looks I was like kind the kind of, of many IMSA races, except and when the- I- rolling you starts. Know the worst
3: part is, is when they go to Joey's in car, or when they go to Joey's. Showing him doing it, he he looks like he's intentionally trying to just go through stuff, right?
2: Well, what else can you do in that situation? They don't True. throw yellows.
0: All right, now let's get well, into up, uh, the release notes for the patch. I think the patch was this morning, right?
2: Yeah, another quick small patch. We've got AI added to Kansas and Michigan. Um, also, the AI has received some additional training for Lime Rock Park. There's been some... Fixes to heat racing. A lot of new sounds added for stock for the stock cars for gear shift and backfire. A um, couple other small things with the spotter peripheral. Uh, they've made some tire changes on the Audi, uh, the TCR car, and also made an adjustment on the Ford having something to do with gear shift overlap or gear shift overlap. Some new setups on some of the cars and n- new signage at Dover as well and talladega or they fixed something at talladega where the flags weren't uh following the wind correctly and yeah it was it was very interesting this morning on uh or this afternoon running the nis race with the new signage on the bridges
3: yeah i noticed that when i was practicing they working on some setup stuff today too that, that they had changed the bridges from the other night
0: okay um in the interest of time we're gonna move into housekeeping next uh we got a new record time. Guess what? I'm back to my normal work schedule uh, with Thursday, Fridays off starting next week. So next week we will be uh, recording at, uh, Chris, make sure this is right, 6.30 Eastern, is that right? That is correct. Okay, 6.30 Eastern uh, is the record time. And we do stream live to YouTube and Facebook. If you guys want to watch while we're recording, check out our live video stream. And uh, with that, don't forget, we're also on the Performance Motorsports Network in regular rotation over there. Now, hardware, software. I got the first one. Uh, I had to do a double take when I saw this rig, guys. Uh, looking at this rig on Facebook on the DIY Sim Racer page, a post from John Brewer. He's got a co-driver seat on his sim rig. No, I don't think he's running iRacing. He's probably doing Rally, uh, which, you know, has a co-driver. But, uh, boy, he's set up for it. I can't even. My my link won't even open.
4: (laughs) It's Obviously, this has got to be too expensive to do it just for fun but you're going to do it if you're a rally driver. But <laughs> I bet Tony Groves could figure out some kind of a do-it-yourself version of this if you want to just sit your kid next to you while you race. When, well, when it, your wife says keep an eye on the kids, you could just strap a couple of these on there.
0: Well, I was going to say the co-pilot seat kind of looks like a smaller seat, like maybe it is for a child. So maybe that's the idea.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Next up, another rig review, David.
2: Yeah, we got a motion rig uh triples i can't tell who's in this it's an instagram account um it, it's interesting there's a reply on there that says hans, hans device needed it's got ga- gauges on the rig it's got a button box that's all lit up on the left as well as the keyboard uh probably one of those that's in about the same price ranges as uh, denny's rig
0: dude check a uh, hit play on the video And he's in the Pro Four off-road truck, and he rolls it. But look at how the motion reacts when he rolls that truck. Uh, I couldn't believe how he's getting thrown around in that thing.
2: Yeah, it's got a lot. It's got looks like a forward lateral, a forward motion, uh, as well as the four posts, or like it's like a forward backward sliding motion. So I guess six degrees.
0: Yeah, he's got everything. He's even got the the belt tensioning system and the Kirky seat. The monitors are moving with the rig, everything. I find some good stuff on that Instagram page. It's called simulated underscore motion. So check out that video. Pretty cool.
2: Staying on the high end, we have the Frex Formula One type steering wheel. Another Ooh. another pretty wheel.
0: It's got a USB connector integrated quick release adapter as well.
2: It's got, uh, it's got five toggle buttons, a, a lot of uh, press buttons, and it... It almost looks to me similar. the The way the buttons are laid out reminds me of a Ferrari layout, as far as the design of the the where all those buttons line up. They're all, it look, they're all in thumb range, up and down. It's pretty handy. It's got a digital display on it. Some carbon fiber front. Um, is that felt handles? I think or, or probably Alcantara.
0: Now, I asked him. I commented on this post. Hey, is this for sale? Do you have a link? I got no response. So I don't know if it's for sale, but it sure is pretty. It's a very sophisticated uh, rim here, too, because
3: of the way that it's almost like he did try and replicate it after something there. David might be right there on the Ferrari side. I just love these wheels that have the, uh, the integrated
0: dash.
2: Yeah, those are really great when you have VR.
0: <laughs> okay. Next, uh, a web page I found that sells uh, sim racing stuff. Call It's an eBay uh, store at ebay.com, and it's called Dim Sim Racing. And they have for sale um, some pretty cool stuff, uh, the wheel paddles for a Logitech wheel. Uh, you can put paddle shifter on, kind of thing. Uh, it also has some sequential shifter, handbrakes, uh, wheel adapters for the Logitech. Um, just a few things, but uh, yeah. I thought it was interesting. Simple made stuff, right? I don't know if he's making it or reselling it or what, but dim sim racing, another place to get sim gear. And then Greg, ah, some really nice looking pedals. So we're going to head to the, uh, Carolina Simworks Facebook
3: page, uh, where they have a post of them developing, I guess their next, uh, pedals assembly. And man, the work that they're doing in this, it, it, it looks really good. The, uh, so they get, these can be run in inverted or normal. Um, it looks like they're fully adjustable, left to right, up down, all kinds of different things, ways that you can configure it. And you know, well, they're you made can, out
2: of. You can even invert it.
3: Yeah, and it's just, it's, it looks, you know, it's a pretty simple setup with the, the way they've designed the, the, you know, the system to tilt and get the angle that you perfectly want. Um, but I think this is going to turn out really nice when they're done. They're still in progress of working with it, but, um, I'm, this is just, uh, this is obviously not a hydraulic setup from what I'm looking at here.
0: What's, what's unique about it is the, is the base plate. It's not just a base plate. It can angle, but it, like you also said, it can be inverted by the way it's designed as well. So it's kind of an all in one, Hey, you want it flat, you want it, uh, Angled, or do you want to invert it? Oh, we can do all those with this one set.
3: Well, I like how they have it cut out too, where they have where they mount the pedals to. It's they slide left and right, so you can put them, you know, at any It's not like there's a select hole it has to go into, it's on a whole um, area there, right? You can, you can put it at any point if they don't have to find a specific hole, right?
2: I, I like having my brake. For- pedal over further left which is the one thing that I've, I've got it as far left as i can get it on the uh, i would i would go for putting it further over if i could the brake and clutch separating it from the throttle
0: okay now let's switch gears to the best pedals available according to Bino. so we've talked about Bino before from australia and i i really trust what he has to say about sim hardware uh, probably more than anybody else on the forum and Bino has come out on the forum saying these here are the best pedals out here right now, at least the best commercially available. And he's talking about the pro sim, dot uh, co UK, uh, pedals. They call them the Evo pro pedals. We've talked about them before on this, uh, show, but they're 1900 euros. Um, so they're not cheap, but they're hydraulic. And, uh, According to Beano, there's nothing better to buy. What do you guys think? Is it only a throttle and a brake? There's no clutch. No is clutch it? on that one.
2: So if you wanted to still have a hand clutch or still have a foot clutch, I guess you'd have to invest in something else. But usually the clutch, I guess you can. It doesn't have to be as high quality as as the as the other two pedals, as far as the feel goes. Um, and for any road racing, you could use hand clutch. So
0: the best pedals money can buy, maybe. Okay, let's keep moving. David,
2: a, a new wheel. Boy, it's expensive, too. Yeah, this is another uh, formula. This is not really a formula-style wheel so much, but it has. it's another one with the integrated display. It's it is definitely a road racing wheel. It just doesn't remind me of a formula wheel. It's an
3: in-between GT slash um, formula, which I would call it.
2: Yeah, uh, it looks like it has three pedal options, which means it's going to have the double clutch availability uh buttons all over the place on-screen display a really big center switch in the middle and then a few smaller encoders uh, it, it, when you get on a formula wheel there's there's so many buttons that you know you just have to really kind of memorize what to do with each one of them um the price is 1800 it's as much as those pedals Damn. I, and that's I, not 100. a
0: base that's just the wheel
3: but it's only one hundred and fifteen dollars a month if you
0: finance it. <laughs> Free qualify
3: now. But uh, also there's an extra cord for USB docking port is another twenty bucks, third or twenty three bucks, and then if you want the quick release
0: adapter, it's another one hundred and fifteen. Yeah, that's rickmotech.com has that. It's called the Rexing Biocovo F1 Carbon Fiber Rim V4. If you want to go high dollar, that's that's one you can go with. Alright, and we have some more eye candy on Instagram. Uh what's this one, Greg?
1: Uh
2: Pro on.
0: sim U is the name of it.
2: I think you jumped down on the script a little.
0: Yeah, you went one... Oh, did I? Yeah, you went down one.
2: Yeah, we're up on a SimTick, Mike.
3: Yeah, it's... no I would, the one above that. Oh
2: for some reason it says Greg.
3: A... No, it was showing a different uh image below it. Anyway, sorry about that. Um so on Instagram here on Sim Racing Setups uh, Instagram page, it's, it's a motion rig, very heavy duty looking motion rig, with the base part of it. Um, Man, it kind of reminds me when you first look at those type, this type of one. It kind of reminds me when you first see those. Uh, what do you call them? Flight simulator pods. Right, flight sim. Yeah. Um, that they test uh, or what they do with uh, when they train pilots. Um, the base is like really heavy duty, with a bunch of arms coming out of it, with all the actuating motors and stuff. Um, and then you're sitting on a platform with a basic, you know, basic tubing framed rig attached to this, and then a th- triple monitor um, with uh, the the uh, computer down on the ground. And yeah, look all the at wiring the power on.
0: supply behind it. That, so is that, a, is that a is that
3: a converter? Is that what it's supposed to be? Like a power well, supply
0: converter? It probably takes some massive power to run this. I wonder if it's at like the 240 supply.
2: We need to send this one to Denny and tell him he cheaped out.
0: Yeah, there you go.
3: I uh, so I think Denny's is better than this one. This one just kind of looks like, the, they, they did a whole bunch of designing on the bottom and spent all the money there. And then the top, they just quickly put together.
2: Yeah, the top is very uh, utilitarian. All right,
0: let's switch gears to another cockpit. This is a stationary one. It's Simitech. We've talked about them a long time ago. thought we'd bring them up again. It's S-I-M-E-T-I-K.com. And uh, they got what they call simulation cockpits inspired by real racing cars. It's not an 80-20. It's just like a metal with a nice Sparco seat. Uh, looks pretty solid and compact. Uh, it is adjustable. Uh Forward, backwards, up and down on the on the wheel stand and whatnot. Uh, driving position based on GT, incompatible um, with all uh, sim racing equipment that's out there today. They're decently priced too. And it it looks, see the price.
2: It looks heavy duty, like it would hold up. It was about as good as any of the eighty twenties. Um, I wonder how adjustable it is compared to a. But uh, other than that, it does look very sturdy, and it ha- it has that advantage of. Uh, I always would prefer a rig that doesn't have the post in the middle between your feet.
0: 350 euros? So is that 500-ish
2: dollars? Not bad.
0: I'll, I'll Google it. I'm not sure that's if that's, with, that's without the seat, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's just $382. I thought the exchange rate was... Yeah, euros. It's
0: pounds. Simitech. Check that out. All right. The next one uh, we're going to talk about is turn1.co.uk. And they're called Turn 1 Racing Simulations, obviously based out of Essex, uh, Great Britain. And uh, what do they have? Uh, they got a sim room for hire. Uh, you you can do it by the hour or the half day or full day uh, by appointment. Uh, they also offer special events. They have one of those Visaro uh, cockpits. And you can actually, uh, if you're in the U.K., uh, Go there and uh, run their Visaro cockpit.
4: We don't we don't see these businesses very often where you can go rent or a- sucks. I wish there was more of them, I, especially as somebody might be around here. Wanting, yeah. yeah, I want I probably be wanting something here in the next year or two, and it'd be nice to go test some stuff out so you kind of know what you want to be sitting in with, without spending hundreds or thousands of dollars first. I'm glad I didn't end
2: up going with that that Formula style seat, you know, because I thought about that for a while. Okay, more motion rigs. We have Gen 3 D-Box out, and in this particular site, there's a really neat video showing a, a triple monitor rig with the whole D-Box base set up, and there's, there's no seat or anything. It's just a plywood platform, uh, but you can see it reacting to uh, some hot rod car driving around on a track.
0: So a new version of D-Box. I don't know uh, what is the benefit. Well, it looks like it's got a faster response time. It says 35 millisecond. Um what else does it say?
2: Well, the comment is is priceless because it says price. Question mark.
0: Yeah, nobody knows the price, but it you know D box is expensive. Okay, and then Chris built a bonkers transforming sim racing cockpit because coronavirus. Where is Tony when you need him?
4: <laughs> yeah, this is like the opposite of that D-box setup. But yeah, so basically uh this guy's name is Christopher Smith. He races in his living room on his living room TV right now, and he needed a way to someplace to race that he could, could double as a family space quickly so that he would get more race time and could quickly get his stuff put away when it was family time. And his solution was, I guess the best way to describe it is like kind of a, an ugly box of a redneck coffee table like when it's uh, in family mode, but when you put it in race mode, it's uh, basically a car seat with uh, Logitech wheel and pedals. The pedals flip up into the box when he's not using it. He even has a door on the side of it to get uh, in and out of maple syrup brown for Tony, I think.
2: It's, um, this is crazy. It's crazy, but it, it's clever, but it's a little tall to be a coffee table. I, I yeah. think if You're sitting back on the couch and the TV's still in front of you. You wouldn't be able to see the TV unless it's mounted up yeah. on the wall.
3: If you have anything on it, it would be in the way. Yeah. Uh, so fold
0: it up, it just looks like a, a wooden box basically. But then I, when he opens it up,
2: simmering. It's almost tall enough to be a bar. You could almost put it on wheels and just move it to the side <laughs> of the room. It's just
3: it's a, it's it's very clever. Like I don't you know it's the first time I th- saw it, somebody would think of this, but it's just. It kind of reminds me of those tables, those false tables that have special compartments, and this is this is what you're hiding in that table.
4: Is the funny thing?
2: Or the beds uh, I, that come out of the wall? Yeah,
4: I think he would have been better off in like uh, if he would have made himself more of a formula style rig, even if he wasn't. If, if that's not what he races, because then he kind of would have had a longer, flatter coffee table. <laughs> Wouldn't be as tall, right? Yeah,
0: he has pictures uh, showing the build as he went through it as well. If you click through the picture, it looks like it functions. So good job. Anything keeps you racing.
3: He finished it really good. Like it
0: looks like it. You know, obviously
3: he took time and made sure it wasn't going to give him splinters.
0: All right. So Mike, how are your uh, forearms feeling? Pretty tough after Dover. Uh, I was telling the guys, the force feedback at Dover is probably one of the highest of any tracks uh, with the A car. anyway. But uh, there's a forum post uh, with a uh, poll up by Scott Velez asking. Hey, do you run your force feedback wheel at a one-to-one ratio to match real life? And 48% answered, less than one-to-one. Uh, the people that are at one-to-one, 9%. Over one-to-one, only 1%. So I'm one-to-one. I, I do it uh, at the f- real-life uh, force feedback. David, you're you're below that, right?
2: Uh, I have different in-game settings than you do, so I'm I'm not really sure. Yeah. I went with I went with the original back when it first came out. I went with some of the original in-game settings, and then I put the force aid back on what felt strong, but not like it was going to make my arms fall off. Um, but it's it is pretty strong. So I'm, I mean, I'm having to tug of the wheel, and I can feel it. Uh, but I don't. I I went a different route than you did. You went the automatic route, and I went with tweaking it for each car. Right.
0: Yeah. I I, I have it set, and I don't change it. But I'm happy with it, and uh, it was. To, I think the post was to kind of get an idea of what other people are doing. Looks so like most people are not running at 100%, only 9%. Okay, Chris, how do you prevent auto-replay when you're in the pits? Uh,
4: that was a question that um, Peter Blackie, I hope I'm saying his name right, An Australian, was uh, uh, posted on the forums. Um, There was a couple of responses to it, actually. Uh, Nicholas Bailey from iRacing staff said in your um, app, I&I, you can change the setting of pause replay on exit. And so I guess with that, you can pause the replay when it first pops up so you're not getting it. But um, a user, um, Scotty McQueen, he posted up was probably a better option is to just make sure that replay doesn't happen at all. You can change the play seconds from replay end on car exit non-team and the play seconds from replay end on car exit team event or evt you can change those to zero and i guess it just doesn't happen at all that's kind of handy because i think i'll actually use that now that i've seen this <laughs> so, so it's that, always loud for me would that
2: makes the replay come back to just instant jump all the way to live when you exit the car
4: yeah i would think so and then that first option would pause it so you would have nothing but yeah that second option there would be no replay it would just go to what you what I would always kind of expect anyway would be that just a live camera when you get out
2: yeah well if you're doing any kind of team racing and spotting for each other a lot of a lot of times somebody won't realize they're not live and they'll be calling out an accident that you dodged 10 seconds ago
4: Oh, right, well, see well super super helpful for that then.
0: All right. Now, in the interest of time, we're going to skip ahead. Uh, we're going to do Aww, one more. Oh, I wanted
2: to talk about
0: this. No, we got to skip ahead. So next <laughs> up is the VRS uh, Direct Force Pro wheelbase has started shipping out of the EU warehouse, and the first units are already arriving in customers' hands as of Tuesday. Uh, I didn't even realize these have gone on sale, I guess, but apparently they are. And uh, if you've ordered one, you already have your wheel. What was Did the price been... on those? I don't know. Like I said it it kind of went right by me and I must have missed
2: it. Wasn't it just a little bit less wasn't it it was either a little bit less than the DD1 or it was between DD1 and DD2. It was to... a
4: lot less. I want to say it was about $800. I've been these have kind of been on my radar but kind of off. They've been posting stuff on social media for the last month or two. But um, this is kind of down the road when the money's in my hands. <laughs> These will be what I'm going to be racing with, probably. So I've been kind of watching it. But I think it was around 800 bucks, And then you have to buy me like a $40 adapter or something along with that. And, of course, rim, all that. Okay. so the pricing here in US dollars, the VRS Direct Drive Force
3: Pro wheelbase is 799 The motor hub adapter is
4: $49. And then the motor mount bracket is $49. Um, there you
0: go.
3: So yeah. yeah,
4: Probably 900 bucks, and then you need a rim for it. That'd cover everything, right? Pretty much.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's
4: weaker. It's a 25 nanometer, so it's not as powerful as the Fanatec stuff, but still that's probably a good five times more powerful than the other Thrustmaster and Logitech stuff, so a lot more power.
2: And the direct drive isn't just about the power. It just has a different fidelity, a different feel to it.
4: Well, yeah, you have that, that electric motor that can give you that instant Kick instead of you know Thrustmaster going through its belt or the Logitech going through its gears. It's like 1080p to 4K. Yeah, pretty much high definition or
3: high definition to
0: standard.
2: More like high definition standard. 4K is a myth. I don't know. I mean,
0: 800 for that when you get a Fanatec for what 1100, 1200 for. So the problem is have a rim on that. None of these come with a rim to start with, do they? Or is
3: it
4: the Accuforce that comes with one? That's the only one. Cheaper. And American Company, like, I've seen a lot of problems with the Fanatec stuff, not a ton, right. but, you know, percentage-wise, from the people I know that have them, and then at least with this one, if I do have a problem, it's probably be easier to get the thing fixed quicker. I thought David was going to have a heart attack the other day with his.
2: What was it went on? I don't recall.
3: When your Fanatec thing wouldn't turn on, or, w- oh, it was going backwards.
2: Oh, yeah, it was freaky. Um, I got into the Ferrari, and it was, it was, like, off-centered. So I went to recalibrate it, and suddenly it was turning backwards in-game.
4: You turned left and it went right? Yeah. What did you do to fix that in case somebody else has that problem?
2: Um, I reset it. I reset iRacing twice, didn't fix the problem. Then I opened the Fanatec uh, drivers to check the firmware and also just test it in there. And when I tested it in there, it was turning the right direction. Next time I opened iRacing, it worked.
0: Hmm. So the uh, little... Uh, computer elves fixed it. Yeah. All right. Let's keep moving uh, into results. The NASCAR iRacing series. Let's finish up Talladega Friday Open. David Hall, you were wrecked.
2: Yeah. I don't remember any specifics. It was, I just wrote wrecked bystander. I got caught up in the big one.
0: Okay. And uh, Greg, you also wrecked out. Yeah. That
3: was just the middle of
0: a bad week, but uh, it's starting to look a little bit better. Okay, Tom Drilling also ran. He got wrecked on the back stretch of only lap one. He said, I'll never understand that. Yeah, uh, Tony, I missed, I missed that wreck. That was, uh, there's no need for the way that that happened, and that took out like half the field. Especially lap one. Uh, Tony Rochette got a P4. He said he forgot what happened. Uh, and then I ran, and I got a P4. I did not forget. I was freaking happy with a P4. Uh, because I was in position to win. Uh, I was the middle lane on the front of the row, uh, coming to the checker. I was side drafting the inside lane just a touch too much, just a little too hard, and we touched, and it sent me up to the wall. I think I would have won if I hadn't touched him during that side draft, and uh, I'm just kicking myself a little bit. Uh, for giving up that win, because I always usually win at Talladega, and that was my, my chance, but I blew it. But I'll take fourth. All right, Sunday open, David, a P3.
2: Yep, and you were watching me as we came to this one. I was leading the outside line. The guy that was pushing me went too low and wrecked most of the field behind us, and so it was just three cars crossing the finish line. I was the third guy.
0: But you didn't have any help, so there wasn't much you could do. Uh, after that wreck but yeah I was in there trying to watch you and kind of talk you know help spot and that kind of thing almost uh Tony Rochette he got wrecked out uh and then I ran and got third I was happy with that I was on the outside front on the white but uh, again but was not enough pushing help behind me to get it done you know and you got to have the help and I didn't I don't think I had any teammates in there but man, I put myself in position to win it a second time for the week and uh, couldn't get it done Sunday morning. We were, all of us were pretty much spread out between, so there were so many people racing, we were all split between different splits. Yeah. Uh, Greg, you got wrecked uh, trying to push a former teammate, Joe Owen, to the lead. Yeah,
3: it was, I think this was after a i think friday night uh, david gave me the pep talk to try and uh, run better here i think i was a little down on myself and uh i was planning on this whole race starting in the back and just taking it easy and doing it and as soon as i got going and saw that the front wasn't so bad to be at i just kind of stayed in the top seven the whole race and we got to like the last i think it was last three or four laps and i was trying to push joe up there and it just someone someone wrecked right beside us and I was the first car that car was going into on the outside I was on the outside and just, you know, I had nowhere to go. It was just unfortunate. And, but sometimes that happens when you're in tight
0: quarters like that. Yep. Tony Groves P nine, but that's not the real story. He restarted second on the green, white checker. I was actually in here spotting him as well at the end of his race. Cause I, I was done. Um, he had no help, though, with that restart on, uh, from second on the green-white checker. He got shuffled back a few spots, uh, tried to start making his way back up there, and net code sent him into the infield, come into the checker. He had a clean and fast car up to that point, was able to lead a bunch of laps. The W is coming, says Tony Grove. Nice to see him have a good run. And then Bobby Jonas, he also ran. He was wrecked out, I think, pretty early.
3: I think he was pretty pissed
0: off at the way he got wrecked out in that, because I think he left our chat real quickly
3: afterwards. Yeah, he he's doesn't a, get had a, a lot bad of starts. Run at NIS. He's had a bad start to the season. Well, he only can run select times, too, so when you're getting
0: the bad luck he's had, it just kind of deters you, right? Okay. Uh, P-22 and the Sunday fixed. Uh... Yeah, it just got stacked up in the outside lane, and accordion effect, and I ended up getting uh, killing the nose. Um, What's-his-name from the, the Xfinity series was in there. Uh, Tommy Joe Martins was racing with us, and he was the guy I ran into, <laughs> and, uh, which was kind of a bummer. But after the, the damage, I was just junk. But I didn't get my win at Talladega, guys. I am kind of bummed about that, but I was in position twice to do it. If that's any consolation. Let's move on to this week Wednesday open Dover David Hall P4.
2: Yeah, I um had a caution come out right as I was in the pits. I'd already gotten in the pit and I was I, I kind of was panicked and didn't know I couldn't remember if I should go ahead and take the stop or or drive on through. And the answer is I should have driven on through. So I put myself lap down, uh, but took the wave around. Um, there was only about eight cars on the lead lap, but I had to start behind still 25 or 20 or so lapped cars. And I um, just had to use my car up getting back to the guys in the lead. And so I had nothing left for third place.
0: Okay. That was a good top five. And then Greg, uh, P14. Well, and I was doing really
3: well in that. Rate. The setup we've been, David and I worked on, have been working on a set this week. A bunch of times bouncing probably the most information we bounce back and forth between each other uh this season and uh we've got a set that's working this week and uh, i was using it i was up in the top i was up fighting for the win in that race i was up in the top two at least i could have gotten at least a p2 and i just some mistakes late uh cost me a bunch of stuff and i got a some of the incidents that i got into were f- contact or 4x's that were not really 4x's and it, it kind of just got snowballed to an effect where I got a black flag and it cost me the
0: race. Oh, you had the drive through Yeah, I remember. All right, and then I ran P5. Man, I was happy with that. Ran 10th to 15th most of the day. It was on a green flag run uh, where we were going to pit under green, and I was going to cut it in half. So I pitted first out of all the people uh, at the halfway mark of that run. Um, I was about 47 laps into the run. And the caution came out literally while I was on pit road. So I ended up getting a wave around. I was at the back of the field behind all the lappers and everybody. And I still made my way back up to fifth. Man, it felt really good to be competitive. Our set was great that you guys were working on. Um, And I was moving forward instead of backwards. I also had my spotter, uh, human spotter, Ryan Eckstein, who occasionally spots for me. I uh, always run better when he's uh, with me. Um, the set, again, was spot on, and that wasn't the problem. So, uh, I'm really happy with a, a fifth. And then tomorrow night, I'm f- freaking going for the win. Man, if I can get a fifth, I can, get, I can win it. And then another good run, Tony Rochette, P3. He was green-white checker. Uh, he was second. And then third uh, did a bump and run on him in three, but he did save it and, and did bring it home a podium finish uh I did get to watch Tony uh at the end of that race as well and um good run for him but uh Chris uh you took the cake you got the win congratulations
4: yeah that one it kind of came out of nowhere i had a terrible start to the race um i raced with Tom and we decided we were going to kind of lay back and let the wrecks happen and take care of our cars and we were doing that and i was going to pit with two to go to kind of hang in the back and there we had had so many cautions and it was early enough in the race there weren't any lap cars so when i went into pit on what i thought was two to go it was one to go and got a green flag penalty for entering closed pits and so i had to serve that and ended up three laps down pretty early in the race but i don't know maybe that might have helped because because of that i didn't have to you know there wasn't a lot of situations where i had to do much harder racing i was kind of just waiting for to get my laps back and by the time I did, there was probably twelve cars on the lead lap, and it was just over for them. I don't know if it was a combination of a lot of the faster guys were wrecked out, and you know we had a really good setup that David worked on, but man, that thing was just gone. Yeah, congratulations! A great
0: win, especially after being three laps down. I mean, that just shows you to stay in it,
4: man, no matter what. Yeah, zero X, and we we had fifteen cautions, and I mean I saw that was that's what help me out. I know there were some guys <laughs> that had some cleaner races. I mean, there were some, some splits I heard that would only had five or six, and so if I went three laps down in those splits, I would have been in bad shape, but, you know, <laughs> just played my played out my way that time, I guess.
3: I remember at one point you said you were on, like, lap 15, and the rest of us were, like, 40, 45 laps in.
4: It was ridiculous, and honestly, it was it was terrible all the way up until when I got out towards the front, and... That was when I needed that green flag racing and we finished under green under a long, long ish green, green flag run. And if we would have had all those cautions, I they probably got bunched up and somebody would have got me not out of speed, just would have hit me. <laughs> OK, and then Tom uh drilling, he got a P10.
0: He was uh, in your split there, but uh car. Dry got de- dryling. Is that it? OK, yeah. Car got destroyed early, he said. Fell three laps down. He did work his way back up to finish a top 10. I'll take it.
4: He, I mean, yeah, he got caught up in an early wreck. He had five minutes of damage. So to come back from five minutes of damage, and I think, on the lead lap, right at the end of the race, I mean, that's that's a pretty good fight back, especially there where you can, like, I think Greg even said during the race, like, you don't, you can't get more than 30 seconds of damage fixed at a time, and he finished on the lead lap. Yeah, that's, that's a lot help. of caution. That's a lot yeah, of caution and a lot of ridiculous time on pit road. Yeah. Nice foot to hang in
0: there to get the top 10 though. Let's move on to Thursday open. David, you got a P 16 in top split.
2: Yeah. I saw some of the names. It was like, Oh great. I'm a top split. Um, guy, I was a little irritated in a situation. I got punted by a guy who's usually a pretty nice guy. Uh, and he said it was because I was blocking him, even though I was making him move to the inside to pass the guy that was in front of me. Now, normally, if I see that somebody's working on the car right in front of me, I'll give him a couple of laps to try to make him pass before I also start pressuring him. This guy didn't want to wait, and so a few laps later, he just flat out pushed me into the wall. It didn't do a whole lot of damage, but it I, it got into my head enough that um, we were coming. To, we had a caution later, and I wasn't paying. I misread the. Laps left ticker, and thought there was four laps left, but there was 40. I put the wrong tape on, um, and so I had too much tape on, and had to come back in, and it put me down uh, two laps. I was, I managed to get him back with, with, because it turned into a caution fest, uh, and drove back up to 16th. Not bad for top split.
0: Uh, Tom Drilling got a P19. He said fast car got crashed with 50 to go. Arca brakes behind him. Chris,
4: you said wrecked early. Yeah, I got to race with Tom again this afternoon, but I mean, we were 20 laps into the race, maybe, and I was kind of playing the same strategy, and Tom had actually just got by me and passed this unstable, I don't know, his name was Murphy, I don't remember his whole name, but Crazy Murphy uh was all over the track and tom got by him and i waited kind of i was taking it really easy and waited for him to do something stupid he hit the apron and floated up enough i knew i could clear him and get away from him which i did but then there was some slow traffic in front of that and so it slowed me up i went high to get out of the way of crazy murphy because i knew he was going to do some crazy murphy thing and gave him the low side and he ran over the back of my car and destroyed me so that was the end of that one it makes shame because yeah that car was so fast You knew it was coming, but you just couldn't miss it. Yeah, yeah, I did everything I could to miss it and still got ran over. All right, and then Tony
0: Rochette, he put P dead. He started second, got to lap two, got loose. A car was coming out of the pits. He smashed into him and barrel rolled twice. Ouch. All right, uh, and then let's talk uh, other official racing. Uh, It said uh, Arca Series, Tony Rochette P1, he got a win. He sat behind the lead bottom car for 19 and a half laps and went high, got to the first car behind and tried to go high, wrecked the field in the
4: trial vault, his 1st canon win ever. Yeah, nice Down. job. That's uh, It was hard racing. Those. I ran a couple of those. Those K&N, Those Arca cars, they don't line up like the Cup cars. It's hard to
2: race those things. You can't run draft Yeah, draft. And um, he actually was following up a win that I had just picked up a little bit earlier in uh, Class A, actually.
0: There you go. And you also won the World 600. David,
2: congratulations. Yeah, that was exciting. Um, And wow, tiring. We started at 7, and uh, I guess I took my headset off at 11.30 or so. There were some heavy cautions early, then there was also a lot of green flag racing. I had about a second or third place car. The set was actually one Tom built for us. Um, and it... Uh, yeah, I had about a second or third place car. Um, there was one guy that had his insanely long run set that was just blowing us away. I knew I knew ours needed a little bit more on the long run side, but it was really stable earlier. The caution comes out with ten to go. Uh, I start, I restart fourth and um, was able to pass a couple of the guys who like to get in people's way on the outside, and then I got by him on the inside with like five to go because he his it took his tires. And he set just a little while to get in, and I was able to hold him off. Um, so it was a stolen win, but that's that's how you take some of them. Well, race uh,
0: 600 miles, but you might only need the last mile to win it. You got to be there, and to win a, a race like that and that kind of league, yeah, that's a that's a big one. Uh, put that on the resume for sure. We got that cut race coming up soon,
2: though, and we already got two good sets because the guy that had the long run set actually gave me it.
0: There you go. Put that in the bank. Nice. Uh, Let's get into final thoughts. Chris
4: Scales, you're up first. Um, pretty pumped about the the old bastards race again tomorrow night. Um, especially the uh, our uh, our friends at Burn and Rubber Radio are going to be commentating. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they uh, Andy Delay actually commentating last week. Him and Wayne did an amazing job, and that was after um, he also gave us a shout out the uh, aftermath, a shout out on his podcast this week because I might have. Might have trash-talked him a little bit for having the highest incidence per lap of anybody in the OBRL. But that was also coming from someone who used to have that crown. So passing that baton, I guess, <laughs> you had to do that ribbing. But uh, they're both going to be doing commentary for the race tomorrow night, along with uh, one of the Taylors. I don't remember. I don't. I can't remember if it was uh, Jeremy Taylor or Taylor Burris, but one of those guys. And Andy Owain and the Taylor will be commentating tomorrow night, and they do an awesome job. All right, obrl.net. Check those guys out. Greg Hector's final thoughts.
3: Uh, I just can't wait to uh, get into the race tomorrow night and uh, start working on... I'm going to test a little bit more of this out tomorrow afternoon and work on the set, but I just can't wait to uh, run that set again uh, and get some redemption at Dover. Um, if you guys want to watch uh, me race tomorrow night, I'll be on uh, twitch.tv slash frozencactus, frozen with two O's, cactus with two K's, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Come out and
4: watch. See what we can jump. Watch out for that Murphy guy. He's out there. There's one of those in every race. (laughs) Yeah, stay clear. All right, David Hall. Final thoughts.
2: It was exciting to see uh, Messenger on that day when we had basically win, win, win. Right after, was that Wednesday? Yeah. Um, Right after each race, that was exciting. Uh, My stream is up. It's easier to spell. M I X M A G E.
0: Yeah, it's fun to see our team winning races. Yeah. And uh, running top fives, I mean, we just listed off so many top fives there, that's crazy. But we're a bunch of winners, it's obvious.
2: <laughs> well, Dover was actually where I picked up my first NIS win last year, when it, when, it, when I finally broke that ice. So, I, I actually really like Dover.
0: I think I do too, and that's my final thoughts, is man, to come into Dover and get a, a P5, Uh, after Talladega and kind of my disappointment of not being able to get the checkered, uh, the win there. I'm really happy, man. And and my streak of good finishes for NIS Open continues. I think my worst week so far is 13th and then 11th, and then everything else has been top 10. So I'm really, really happy to have a fifth in the bank for Dover. And that's going to free me up for tomorrow to go in and just really go for the win. And I was telling the guys... To win this race at Dover, you got to be leading before the end of the race. Like with 20 to go, you got to be in the lead. If you're not in the lead yet, you're not going to get it, you know. And so uh, that's the focus. I'm just going to really try hard to to get the lead uh, before the end of the race so I can bring it home. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later.